I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. If you're using one of the Bibles here, you should find that on page 832. 832. In this passage that we're about to read, uh, Jesus Christ institutes uh, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper or Communion. And that will be the focus of our sermon as, as we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism as well to summarize uh, the Bible's teaching on this important sacrament. We've been discussing baptism for a while, uh, but now we turn to the second sacrament, the sacrament that, by which we are nourished, uh, that is the Lord's Supper. So listen carefully to Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29. Now as they were eating... Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom." So far from God's holy word. I'm going to turn to the Heidelberg Catechism in the back of the hymnal we sang from on page 884. For those of you who are not familiar with the catechism, a catechism uh, is simply a question and answer format of way of teaching uh, what we believe the Bible to teach itself. So the teaching of the catechism is derivative. It's derived from the scriptures. And again, we believe them to be faithful summaries of them. And so this Lord's Day, Lord's Day 28, with three questions there, again, deal with the Lord's Supper as Christ has instituted it. Uh, But it's also going to draw in other passages of scripture um, as well, that we might get a fuller picture of what the Lord has instituted in the Lord's Supper. So I'll read the question, and we'll respond together with the answers. So question 75 How does the Holy Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his benefits? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command come these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, So surely his body was offered and broken for me, and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves and tastes with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with the crucified body and poured out blood. Question 76. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood? It means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and in this way to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so, although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. 
and we forever live on and are governed by one spirit, as the members of our body are by one soul. Question 77. Where does Christ promise to nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat this broken bread and drink this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul in these letters. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So far from the Catechism. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, throughout the Bible, a number of metaphors are used to speak of the church. Um, Often the church is even spoken of as the body of Christ, with Christ who is our head. Uh, But one metaphor that is particularly, I think, important and helpful for us to understand the sacraments is that the church is spoken of as the household of God. The church is spoken of as the household of God. For example, the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Right? So the church, as we think about our membership in the church and our relationship to those in the church, we think about it as a household. Uh, That's why Paul will employ language of brother and sister throughout his uh, writings, and we don't often, you know, call each other, you know, brother Kelvin, brother Caesar, sister um, Brazan, Chetty. Get you guys, everybody. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. So we don't often say that, but we can, right? We refer to as brothers and sisters, and we recognize that we have God as our Father, right? And so the church is the household of God, and like any household, various um, elements, things that take place within it. We've spoken about baptism as a sacrament of washing, right? Within the household, children, you know this, right? You take a bath. You wash and get clean. Um, And also within a household, not only do we just stay clean, but we also are nourished and fed. There's family meals that are had as well. And so when we think about the nourishment that takes place within the household of God, First and foremost, we're nourished by the word of God. God feeds us like his, with his word, which is to us sweeter than honey, as the Bible also speaks of. Uh, but that very word that nourishes us is also pictured and made visible in the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper has to do with nourishment, right? If baptism has to do with washing, which we spoke about in the past three weeks, I'm washing with the blood of Christ, washing with his spirit. So now the Lord's Supper is a visible sign and seal of that invisible spiritual reality that we are nourished by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Within the household of God, we are washed 
by God's words, visible, made visible in baptism, and we are nourished by the word of God, made visible in the Lord's Supper. These are the two uh, sacraments that Christ has instituted for his church. And as we've said over and over again, the reason he institutes these sacraments is not because his word is insufficient. His word is sufficient in and of itself. But because of our weakness and because of our tendency to doubt um, the, what, what, we are, what we hear, God pictures those very realities that are preached to us, again, in these sacraments. The word nourishes us, but the Lord's Supper takes that nourishment, makes it visible, so that just as surely as I see and touch and feel and, and taste and smell the bread and the wine, so surely am I nourished by the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And just as his word is received by faith, so too what is given in the sacraments is not received mechanically, just a matter of getting it into my mouth and eating it, but it's received also by faith, uh, that very word made visible for us. All right, so that's kind of just some intro into the Lord's Supper. And in the few moments that we have remaining, I want to discuss the three things that the Catechism draws out. First, the use of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Secondly, the meaning of the Lord's Supper, and then thirdly, uh, the uh, institution or the foundation of the Lord's Supper. So three things. First, uh, the use of the Lord's Supper, right? As this um, household meal within the church of God, um, what is the use, what utility does the Lord's Supper uh, serve within the church? Well, the Catechism draws out two things, right? If you notice um, in its answer, or in the question, it asks this question, How does the Holy Supper remind and assure you, remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his benefits, right? So the the use of the Lord's Supper is twofold, right? To remind and to assure, right? And so we'll take those two in in part. So first, the Lord's Supper is meant to remind you. Uh, The answer there says that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command come these promises. And so Christ gives us this command, right? We read it in Matthew chapter 26, that we are to eat of the the broken bread and the poured out wine or the blood um, in order to remember the death of Jesus Christ, to remember Christ crucified for me. Uh, to remember that it's in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross that my salvation has been secured. And so we don't reject the fact that the Lord's Supper is certainly a remembrance. It is that, and we're going to go on to say that it's much more than that as well. Uh, But first and foremost, right, what we highlight here is that the Lord's Supper, as we partake of the broken bread and the poured out wine, it reminds us that Jesus Christ has been crucified. And it reminds us not only that he's been crucified as an event that I look too far away, but he has been crucified for me, right? The, the, the language that the catechism uses reflecting the truths of Scripture are very personal. It's to receive Jesus Christ myself along with the family of God. It's, it's to receive Jesus Christ and recognize that I have been united to him. I've, I've come to partake of him ultimately by faith. It's by faith that I receive Christ And remember that he died, not just a death to demonstrate the love of God, but he died for me. He was there for me. My sins poured out and and attributed to him. And he, therefore, dying in my place, in my stead. And so when we take the Lord's Supper, we remember that. 
we remember Christ crucified. But also, right, it's not only meant to remind us, but it's also meant to assure us. Right? And, and the way it, it assures us is that it takes the promises of God given to us in his word and makes them visible. Right? So two promises um, are given to us and made visible in the Lord's Supper. When we look at the bread, when we look at the wine, right, it is um, assuring us and it's pointing us again to those promises given to us uh, in Scripture. And so those two promises, summarized again in the Catechism, is first, that as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. And so this is the promise of God given to us uh, in his word. And so again, what what the sacrament is doing is not adding to that promise. Uh, The sacrament is not telling us anything that the word of God doesn't tell us, but it's taking those very promises and again, making them visible for us. So that I might be assured that in moments of temptation, in moments of doubt, uh, in moments of overwhelming guilt, I can, I can remember and receive the broken body and blood of Christ and be assured that his body was broken for me, that his blood was poured out for me to secure my salvation. And so when we think about the Lord's Supper, again, it's, it's preaching the gospel to us. It's reminding us that I must come to the table, I must come to Christ if I'm going to find those things, right? If I'm going to find my sins forgiven, if I'm going to find uh, myself made whole again, well, I'm not going to find that unless I come to Christ. And and the only way I come to Christ is ultimately by faith, right? A promise is something that's only received by faith. If I promise you something, you don't see it, you don't you, you can't grab hold of it, right? It's something that's still future. And so when Christ makes us these promises, he has fulfilled them, but they remain unseen, invisible. Again, we've said this before, I can't see my sins removed from me and thrown into the ocean never to surface again. Um, I can't see my sins removed from me so that they're so far away that they're as far as the east is from the west from me. But, again, when I come to the Lord's table, I see that promise that they are, and I'm assured of that promise. And so, um, again, it assures us that as surely as we see the bread, as we see the wine, so surely Christ has secured for us salvation. His blood was poured out for me. His body was broken for me. And the second promise highlighted for us by which we are gain assurance is said, as, as the Catechism says, that as surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves, and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord given to me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes me and refreshes me and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. Again, the, the, the Lord's Supper is very illuminating in terms of who God is, right? It re- reveals to him as one who uh, nourishes us and cares for us like a good heavenly father, right? So as we approach the table, we're reminded of the goodness of God. We're reminded, as we mentioned earlier, that if I am to find salvation and if I am to find satisfaction and wholeness for my life, that it's not going to be found in partaking of the things of this world or even finding it within myself, but it's only by coming to Christ, right? Coming to the table, coming to him to partake of him who alone satisfies me. 
And so surely we also recognize, and then if I'm to find nourishment for my soul, right? Just as we, would, we wouldn't go a day, unless we're fasting, I guess, we wouldn't go a day without eating food because you recognize our bodies, our physical bodies, need nourishment. They need nutrients. They need sustenance in order for us not to wither away and die. And so the same with our soul. Right? We're not just physical bodies, and that's what the Lord's Supper also reminds us and God's Word reminds us. We're not just physical bodies, but we are also souls. Uh, the technical word, if you'd like to know it, is psychosomatic. Um, psycho, souls, and nomadic, uh, well, actually, I guess psycho would be body, and then soul, soul would be nomadic. We're, we're body-soul combos. Um, and so it's not enough that our, that our bodies be nourished, but our souls also need to be nourished. And again, the Lord's Supper tells us that it's only when I come to Christ that I find true nourishment for my soul. And that when I wander from Christ and when I'm away from Christ, then my soul becomes um, anemic. My soul lacks nourishment. And it's only when I come to Christ and receive him that I find true nourishment for my soul unto not just momentary, temporary life, but as it says, eternal life. Christ's body nourishes us even for eternal life. All right, so the, the Lord's Supper is given to us as a visible sign and seal pointing to the nourishment that we receive spiritually and by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. It reminds us of that and it assures us of that. That's the use of the Lord's Supper. Now, secondly, we want to look at the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Right, what's the meaning then? What's, what fully is taking place? Well, two things, again, are highlighted for us in terms of the meaning. First, as question 76 says, it means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and in this way receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Right, so again, what the catechism is highlighting for us is that when you approach the Lord's table and you come to Christ, it's not a matter of just, again, physically taking the bread and getting it in your body. That's what the Roman Catholic Church would teach. Right? It's a mechanical process. And just in, because the priest has um, uh, consecrated the bread in a certain way, it's just a matter of getting that bread in your mouth and swallowing it, and you receive grace. But that's not what the scriptures teach uh, to us. It's not a matter of just getting the bread in our mouth. It's a matter of receiving that and accepting the promise made visible in the sacrament by faith, as it says here, with a believing heart. Right, the sacrament is not efficacious, it's not powerful, it doesn't, we don't receive anything if we do not receive it by faith, trusting what God has said, trusting that it is Christ alone in whom I find the forgiveness of my sins. Right? And so faith is vital uh, for approaching the Lord's table. We come by faith to receive Christ. We come by faith to receive of him spiritually. And so that's the, the part, on, that's on, on our part, right, we come with faith. The second part, right, is that there is also the work of the Holy Spirit, right? So the first meaning is that I receive it with a, an open heart, an accepting heart, by faith. But secondly, right, the Catechism says that it means more. That through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us, we're united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so although he is in heaven and we are on earth, We are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. 
And we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. Right, so as we approach the table, we do so by faith. But what makes the sacrament received by us, and we receive Christ, again, it's not physically, but it's by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, whom Christ gives to his church, the Spirit unites us to Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a great mystery that takes place in the Lord's Supper, that by the Holy Spirit we are united to Jesus Christ, so that we become, as it says here, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. It's marriage language that is used uh, even throughout the Bible. And so we're united, bonded to Jesus Christ by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So that when we partake of Christ, it's not a matter of partaking of him, as some older theologians would say, in a carnal way, by flesh, or just eating the bread. But we partake of Christ in a spiritual way. Christ is spiritually received by us, even as we receive him by the power of the Holy Spirit, who brings us to Christ, unites us to Christ. Christ is not dragged down, but we are brought up to heaven to receive of Christ by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the meaning of the Lord's Supper. It's it's really a, a marvelous mystery that takes place. The gospel made visible. And we ourselves, as we partake of the bread, as we partake of the wine, are truly, spiritually partaking of Jesus Christ himself to find nourishment for our souls. And again, this orients the Christian life. It reminds me that that if I am to find satisfaction and if I am to find uh, wholeness for my life and for my soul, then again, I only find that in Christ by partaking of him. And I recognize in them as Christ gives himself to me, again, and when Christ offers and, and, and secures for me salvation, that's not a salvation that he mails to me from far away, but a salvation that he gives and hands to me personally as he makes me his own and, and he is mine. Right? That's the nature of what is taking place here. The two becoming one in, in the mystery of, the, of the, the power of the Holy Spirit at work, uniting us to Christ, that we might be nourished uh, by him. It was John Calvin who had said this, that thought in a, a pretty clever way, saying that our souls have no other pasture than Jesus Christ. No other pasture than Jesus Christ. And so the question to you, even this morning, as we reflect on the Lord's Supper, right, is where are you seeking pasture for your souls, right? Cows go out to pasture, right? Animals go out to pasture to eat and to find nourishment, right? Where are you going to find pasture for your souls. And what God has revealed to us out of his grace and out of his mercy is that if you are seeking pasture anywhere else outside of Jesus Christ, you you will not find satisfaction for your soul. You will not find the nourishment that your soul needs to live. You might find satisfaction, you might find things, you know, empty calories here and there, right? It'll fill you up for a little bit, but you're hungry immediately after, and it's probably making you sluggish and tired and shaky, right? It's not good for you. But the pasture, as you go out to feed on Christ, who is our soul's only pasture, we find there true nutrients. We find there true satisfaction, true wholeness for our souls, the big label today, right? Everything's grass-fed, and I'm okay with that. I try to get grass-fed beef, I guess, whatever it might be. But thinking about our own souls, right? Are they Christ-fed? A little bit corny, but think about it, right? It's, 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 are your souls Christ-fed? And if they're not, well, Christ is saying, come to me. 
Christ is saying, come and, and, and receive me by faith. And you will find rest for your souls. You will find satisfaction. He's saying, stop hewning out for yourselves broken cisterns that can't hold any water. Come to me by faith and I will fill you up. So Christ fills us up. He satisfies us. Again, not just with gifts, right? A wealthy father could just give gifts and his children could go, um, I don't know, empty and, and feeling dissatisfied with life, right? But Christ doesn't just give us gifts. He gives us himself and he satisfies us. That's what the meaning of the Lord's Supper reminds us. It assures us of that um, reality. John Calvin had also said this, maybe another helpful metaphor. He said that now our Heavenly Father, to comfort and support us, gives us the supper as a mirror in which we may contemplate what? Contemplate our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified to take away our faults and offense and raised again to deliver us from the corruption of death and restoring us to life, even life eternal. So that's what the Lord's Supper means. And then the third point we want to think about, right? We talk about the use as it reminds and assures us the meaning of it. And then thirdly, we want to just talk about the foundation. The foundation of the Lord's Supper is that it is Christ instituted, right? When we think about the Lord's Supper, it's not something that we conjured up on our own, that we manufactured. It's not man-made. But rather, it's Christ himself coming to us, stooping down to us, giving us this sacrament. And it's founded upon his promise, the very promise we read in Matthew chapter 26. So again, this is important for us because what we're saying here is not something that we have made up, but it's something that Christ himself has spoken and said. Christ himself provides us with the foundation of the Lord's Supper. And so they rest upon his promises. They're not man-made, but Christ instituted, and they are founded on the promise of Christ, which cannot fail, the promise of Christ, which must come to pass. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it is impossible for him to lie, and it's impossible for him to be thwarted in his purposes and in his plans. And so when he promises something, it is as sure as anything. When Christ says something, it is as fixed as anything. Christ's word is sure, and it's his word, his promise, that is at the foundation of of the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism as well. And so when we talk about all of these things, they're founded upon a sure foundation. So I'll just conclude here. I didn't watch, I do I did have a watch on. Got a couple minutes just to conclude very briefly uh, with um, some summary points in terms of the benefits and the duty that the Lord's Supper then calls us to. I'll stick to my notes here. Uh, these come again from John Calvin, I thought very helpful. So first, what's the benefit? To sign and seal in our conscience the promise contained in the gospel concerning us being made partakers of Christ's body and blood, and to give us certainty and assurance that in it lies our true spiritual nourishment, that have such an earnest that we may entertain right reliance, dependence on God's salvation, right, to assure us. Secondly, the Lord's Supper is given to us in order to exercise us in recognizing God's goodness toward us. And to lead us to laud and magnify him more fully, right? As we come to the supper, come to the Lord's table to receive of Christ freely given to us, right? It leads us first and foremost then to magnify and glorify God. He gives it to us that we might know his goodness, God's goodness made manifest. And we might praise him for that. 
And then thirdly, in order, it's given to us in order to exhort us to all holiness and innocence, inasmuch as we are members of Christ. Right? This Lord's Supper reminds you as a Christian, as you come to Christ, you belong to him, that you've been united to him by faith, that you are no longer a, a, a slave to sin and misery, but you have been united to Jesus Christ who nourishes you with his own soul. And therefore, I have every reason and all the power to move forward in holiness, in, in, in following after Christ and his will for me, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles me, and to look to Christ and to walk a life of holy obedience unto him. To be nourished, that's why Christ nourishes us to this newness of life that we might account ourselves dead to sin, alive to God. And so as we think of the Lord's Supper, receiving of Christ, we say, I have a new life and it's nourished by Christ. And it is a life of obedience and love towards God and towards my neighbor. And finally, it exhorts us to union and brotherly love with one another, right? We've been talking about like the Lord's Supper, the, or Christ's body broken for me. Um, the blood poured out for me, right? It accrues to you personally as you come to Christ personally. But we recognize also that the very blood and body that was broken for me was broken also for those sitting next to me in the pew, for my brother and my sister as well. And so as Christ has dealt graciously and lovingly with me, so he has dealt graciously and lovingly with my brother and my sister. And therefore, the supper reminds me that I am to pursue brotherly love, to outdo one another in loving each other, to overlook offenses when that's necessary, to forgive, to seek forgiveness, right? These are the things the Lord's Supper then exhorts us to do as we are reminded of the new life that we have in Christ as the people of God, even as members of the household of God. This is the good news that is made visible to us in the Lord's Supper. And so we're not partaking of the Lord's Supper today, but when we do, right, we're reminded of these things, that we come by faith, that it's Christ alone who nourishes my soul. So uh, those who are in Christ, if you are in Christ, then, then take joy and take heart in that, that Christ nourishes you. If you're not in Christ, right, if you are apart from Christ and you've been seeking satisfaction for your soul in other things, well, today, the word of salvation comes to you. Come to Christ and find rest for your soul. He's a gracious, loving king who feeds us, not just with gifts that he throws upon us, but with himself. And we are nourished even unto eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that truly is uh, refreshment uh, for our souls. Uh, we thank you that you have made this word visible uh, for us in uh, the sacraments that Christ has instituted, that the, the washing away of our sins and the forgiveness of them and the newness of life being visibly signed and sealed to us in our baptism, uh, but also, Lord, the nourishment that we find in Jesus Christ unto eternal life, that that has been made visible um, in the Lord's Supper. And so, Father, may these truths be ever more confirmed in our hearts. May we be ever assured of them, that we might then live lives of um, holiness, lives that are uh, lived unto you, our God and our uh, Father. And so bless us, Lord, to this end, and bless us as your people, even your household, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.